0: (laughs) Welcome to the Schiller and Hamilton Law Firm Podcast. Today I am joined by the legendary Dr. Ruben Orr, the uh, great and powerful. Man, you're like a legend in Rock Hill, man. I guess maybe everywhere, but especially Rock Hill.
1: 21 years this July.
0: 21 years of practicing practice. chiropractic medicine in Rock Hill. In Rock Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been doing it a quite a while. Yeah. Did it kind of fly by? Yeah, I mean, was 20 years. It doesn't look like I Did you do anything to celebrate your 20th anniversary? Um,
1: yeah, we fixed a lot of people that day. That's because awesome. That's what we do.
0: Yeah. That's your favorite thing to do. Mm-hmm. So what's interesting to me about your practice is what I don't see. I don't see Doctor Or billboards everywhere. I don't even see Doctor Or commercials uh, until recently. I think there wasn't even a Doctor Or website. You certainly don't have a Doctor Or podcast. I uh, don't know if there's a Doctor Or Facebook page, no. but yet every time I drive by your office, the parking lot is full, and there's a wait to get into your office. Your lobby's full, and you probably see more people in a day than most doctors see in a week. Um, What do you attribute that to?
1: Results. Mr. Hamilton, results.
0: Results. Mm -hmm. So, you attribute it to people getting better.
1: Or getting to the right place. Not everybody who comes in is in the right place, but we direct them to the right place. I think that's good faith.
0: So, tell me about the typical patient that you're getting results for. What do you you see on a regular day?
1: Well, I'll tell you recently, um, and I brought you the New York Times article, there's been a Second pandemic of work-from-home injuries, a lot of patients, a, a lot of uh, people have been sent home to to work, and they don't exactly have the home office um, of their dreams, so they're improvising, and it's putting a lot of stress on their body, and um, we're seeing a lot, big influx in that.
0: When Okay, so you, when you're talking about work-from-home injuries, you're not talking about people walking across their kitchen floor and falling. You mean what? Work. Explain it, <laughs> <to>, like <laughs> working
1: from home. Repetitive stress injury. Um, you know, trying to rig a desk up at the at the kitchen countertop, um, you know, bar stools, coffee tables, things of that nature. They're still working and working lots of hours. They just are not at a traditional desk, chair, keyboard, monitor. Why does that matter? Posture, posture, posture. Very important. Sitting for long periods, as you know, as a, a, a very busy attorney, um, stresses the joints, stresses the muscles.
0: Yeah, I said all day, I got a stand-up desk not too long ago that I can switch back and forth and it goes up and down. And I noticed that makes a really big difference in how I feel. I don't obviously know what that means medically, but I can tell the difference in how I feel. But you're saying, so when someone's at work, they might have a, a desk chair. They may have a monitor that's at a better position. They have a, a more traditional desk. And when they go home and they're working, they might not have those things, right? How important is it for someone to be aware of that as they move forward? What what well, could I, happen I if, think you, if becomes, you're not aware of it?
1: I think it becomes pretty obvious uh, pretty quickly. I mean, most of my patients I've seen have come in and they know exactly why they're there. You know, they they um, are trying to improvise at home, and it's just you know short term for a few weeks maybe, but this has turned out to be months and months of that and. You know the body's just uh, doesn't handle that very well. It's just a lose lose.
0: Yeah, so you're seeing people that are hunched over their laptop all day at their kitchen counter working, so their posture starts going. And and so tell me how what would the ideal office setup look like then? If you're telling one of your patients, okay, what you're doing is not working. This <laughs> laptop at your kitchen counter, that's not going to fly. How do they? How do you instruct them to fix well, that? Well,
1: you got to start with you know what, what's feasible. I mean, what what's actually you know something that we can actually do. I mean, we know what uh, what a great setup would be, but if they can't do it, then there's no need to discuss that. You got to figure out what do they have, what can we do, what, what can we improve upon, and it's not going to be perfect, but anything that's an improvement will you know uh, minimize the stress a little bit, and that's going to help. I mentioned I got one of these stand up desks. What do you, I think? It's great. Are these better? Yeah, well, I think having the option, just the option is good. I mean, some days you may want to stand, some days you want to sit, but having the option to stand is critical, I think.
0: Do you think it's important to change back and forth? Because it seems like too much of anything right. is bad, right? So if you're standing at a stand-up desk all day, you can probably develop some problems <laughs> with your knees, ankles, you know, well, veins. I just
1: saw like a bicycle desk, like basically had a bicycle pedal and... Your computer sets up there, and you pedal all day while you work at your computer. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah.
0: I've seen other ones that it's a desk. It has a slow-moving treadmill underneath. Treadmills, yeah. So you stand at a stand-up desk with, like, a, a slow-moving treadmill. You're walking two mile an hour. Yes. So you're burning calories to some degree while you're working. So that's taking cool. it to a whole different level. Yeah. So what do you do? I mean, you have a pretty physical job. You're adjusting people. And you're, you, you're I guess... How would you describe your adjusting style? I don't know what it would be called, but it seems like you're you're very yeah, hands on.
1: Yeah, we're we're pretty hands on. We we have some assisted uh, techniques that we use that um you know have special tables or equipment, but but typically um we're we're mostly hands on. Uh, Which means you're well. kind of you're moving all day, right? Oh, yeah. Like you're I'm moving bodies. Never, yeah, we don't. I don't sit down.
0: Is that enough exercise for you? What do you do? I mean, because
1: you're <laughs> fit, like, you, you, yeah, what well, is <laughs> what's your secret? Well, I tell you, here recently with the gyms being closed and whatnot, I think everybody's, uh, you know, improvising at home. So, you know, walking, extra, um, you know, adding some uh, resistance with a weight vest. I know, you know, you you have a weight vest also and some mm-hmm. ankle weights. So, those are good little tricks just to, um, you know, add a little resistance to your to your walk um, if you can't hit the weights. Uh, Push ups with weight vest, you know, air squats, anything um, bands if you can find them. Bands, yeah, we have a we have a pretty nice little rehab section in our office. So um, I think Academy has been sold out of bands
0: probably since March. (sighs) It's hard to find that stuff right now, man. I think I just spent like eighty five dollars for a kettlebell for one. (laughs) But that's that's how much it was. I mean, supply and demand, I guess. Yeah,
1: take it or leave it. Right, that's
0: my home gym at my house is a kettlebell.
1: Well, I just had a gentleman who um, actually was using five gallon buckets. And he was using those. As I use as water as, jugs here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, just, the ones that go on our water cooler, mm-hmm. they work pretty well. Oh yeah. Those are, those are good. I have to change the water at the office. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's my, that's my uh, job. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's hard. Everyone's had to adjust the last several months. Um, you know, one thing I think traditionally, I know you have seen a lot of personal injury patients, not people that have been injured at their home office setup, but people that might've been injured due to some traumatic event, like a car wreck fall somewhere Um, how has, how, what trends have you seen there? How has that affected your practice? I think
1: with, with, um, people being home, there's just less, you know, there's less traffic right now. I mean, There's less traffic on the road. So, um, obviously the statistics will, will drop as far as collisions go. Um, but again, it's just, you know, it's just going to switch into something different. There's always going to be something, so. Think now it's more to the postural stress, which has been a big problem for a long, long time. But I think now um, it's really hit home, just like some of my parents are realizing. Just you know, having kids at home doing school and, and how uh, maybe they didn't quite appreciate the teachers <laughs> as much as they do now. So same thing. Um,
0: you know, this are you seeing more? I think they call it. I've seen articles, um, cell phone neck, where yeah, people, text, text yeah, neck. text neck or something. Yeah. And I can imagine, you know, there's. They say everyone is cell phone usage is at an all time high because everyone's at home, and and to be fair, we're kind of coming out of that a little bit. You know, people are getting back to work. I mean, our office is open again, but it's nothing like how it was back in February. But have you been seeing more of that and that? And can you kind of describe what that means?
1: Well, I, in, in, you know, we've never had a generation of people growing up with their heads slung down, and basically that's what we have now. I mean. Uh, you know, your kids, they're on, on tablets, they're, um, you know, always uh, on something that's you know, typically going to have their head down. Um, people work on laptops, which, uh, you know, without an external keyboard or mouse or some type of setup, it's going to be the same. But yeah, I mean, and we haven't had uh, a generation of kids growing up with their head, you know, constantly down as they develop. So um, it's, it's already starting to, to uh, see some problems with that. Uh, how,
0: when you say problem, what does that mean? Is that permanent? Is that something you can fix or adjust? <laughs> Does this affect somebody for the rest of their life? Like, is this, how bad is this diagnosis? When you come, when someone comes in and you say, okay, you have text neck, and I'm sure there's more medical terms for that, but in colloquial terms, I guess that's what we'll call it. Is that something you
1: could fix? Yeah, I think we can typically um, make them aware of the situation and and give them some, uh, you know, good alternatives to their setup. But, you know, over time, over time, that really leads to degenerative breakdown that's premature, and then that. Can lead to irreversible damage that just, you know, once it's done, it's done, um, which could lead to, you know, uh, more drastic medical interventions such as surgery. So, part of the solution is
0: the more conservative treatment I, that you would offer well, the I chiropractic care. Step one is just realize. Well, is awareness. Right. Awareness. And maybe don't do this all day. And are there exercises or stretches or anything that somebody should do to compensate for that mm-hmm. in the
1: meantime? Yeah, I think just taking a break, I mean, I like to start with just what's quick, cheap, and easy. I mean, that's typically my uh, my approach is what's quick, what's cheap, what's easy. Let's start there, and we build from that point. Um, you know, some people don't jump into very expensive, you know, rehab protocols or whatnot, but, you know, just take a break. Get up, move around, you know, stop. Um, you know, make any modifications to your to your work environment you can. Simple stuff. One little
0: trick, my dad, for years, he kind of famously kept a, just a standard – cheap $2 egg timer on his desk mm-hmm. and set it, I think for every 20 or 30 minutes and every 30 minutes it would go off. And it just made him aware of, you know, the fact that he was looking down for that long and he would stand up and, and stretch
1: his back in his neck and then sit back down. That same idea has evolved into an app. Now they have an app on your phone, this little device that sticks to your back. And when it senses the change in your angle or your posture, it will vibrate or send you uh, some type of alert and it kind of brings you uh, back to the moment it's kind of
0: funny sitting here talking about posture i'm like becoming more (laughs) more aware of mine makes feels makes me feel
1: like i need to sit up straight you know for for these chairs aren't real good for (laughs) for 20 bucks you can get an exercise ball and you can use that as your chair um that's really good do you do that i do that when i have to sit and do paperwork um i have a big exercise ball i sit on that it's round. it It seems like it would be uncomfortable it actually forces you into good posture i mean you can't you ever that, fall off of that thing? I have not, but I've come very close. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, posture trainers—they're very inexpensive little uh, straps that you can wear that will kind of give you a little nudge. And uh, yeah, nudge. I have one of those. Those actually work really well.
0: Yeah, actually, I think I got it from this chiropractor I, yeah. office down the street, Doctor Orr. So yeah, yeah,
1: thirty bucks Amazon. I mean, come on—it's passive. You put it on, you forget about it, but it really keeps your posture up. Um, exercise ball, twenty bucks. So I mean, very low, very low tech, very. Uh, keep the expense down. Keep it simple.
0: In a way to me, it almost seems like you're talking about things that are common sense or perhaps should be. Are you ever surprised by the fact that you have to inform people that it's a good idea to be aware of their posture or it's a good idea to not be looking down all day?
1: Well, Pain is a good motivator. Most people don't get there until it hurts. (laughs) And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, what am I doing? So we try to get you know, them thinking about it before they get to that level. Um, you know, classic thing we see now is people have recliners or setups and they have a TV on the wall, but the TV is offset maybe 30 degrees to the right. And they don't realize every night they sit there, they're rotating their head neck and, you know, their body to watch the TV. And it's repetitive, the same direction over and over and over and over the course of time, that really leads to imbalances and problems. And it's like, just put the TV in front or move your chair. It was very simple, you know, but until it starts to hurt, they don't think about it. Hmm.
0: So it, it kind of sounds like, I mean, you're fixing people, but you're also kind of fixing lifestyles in a way. Do you feel like you need to get in there and fix somebody's lifestyle in order to really... Well, I mean... You I said you get results. <laughs> I know you get results. Is that what it takes, though? Is those lifestyle modifications to really make that happen? Well,
1: I think... Um, like I said this
0: What's your secret sauce, Ruben? That's what I'm trying to get to.
1: Well, I think we all do it. I'm guilty of it myself sometimes, but... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, once you've been through a few episodes and, and you realize the impairment that it can cause and the disability and the pain and just basically, um, you know, everything kind of stops when you have some situations that we see and it's, uh, it's expensive, you know, time off of work, um, treatment costs, things like that. So once you've been there a few times, you start to realize it's this easier just to prevent going there. It's, it's better. It's cheaper. It's safer. And just why go there if you can prevent it? So we try to help them understand that they can prevent it most of the time. Mm-hmm. So where
0: our worlds oftentimes collide is in what we would call the, you and I both call in our practices the PI world, which is personal injury. I see a lot of people that have severe injuries. You see a lot of people that have severe injuries. A lot of those injuries occur typically either in a car wreck or some other traumatic event. What's the difference for you between treating or seeing a traumatic patient versus seeing somebody who has these repetitive injuries from lifestyle over time?
1: Well, I think the one thing that most of us are all exposed to regularly uh, are car crashes. Because we all drive, we're all in our cars a lot. Um, and nothing will change your body faster and more instantaneously than a car crash. Yeah, humans are not designed for that. Right. Yeah, we don't do well with those. Yeah. And, and that can, as instant, instantly you're a different We're made person. of jello.
0: <laughs> with, with like sticks inside, like we're not meant to crash into things at sixty mile an
1: hour. Yeah, so that that instantly changes everything, and um, I think a lot of people have a hard time just um, recovering from some of those injuries. Even once the pain is subsided, there could be um, you know long term limitations and, and impairment that comes with that. So that, that's that's really unfortunate because you know a lot of times it's just uh, you know it's just sad to see people get hurt and they get better, but they're never quite right again. Never just never. Just get back to be the same person they were. And um, that can be pretty uh, pretty traumatic in other ways for a lot of people. How do you document that? So
0: when someone well, gets, someone comes back, come, so let's think of a typical case. So prior to a wreck, somebody, maybe they're 50 years old. They're not at 100% compared to where they were when they were 20, but you know they get around pretty good. They can play golf, whatever the case is. They get in a wreck. Someone crashes into the back of their car at a stoplight at, you know, 50 mile an hour, say. Uh, they come to you with these neck and back injuries and you get them from where they were after the wreck back to like 75 or 80% of where they were prior, which on in oftentimes or in, in many cases is a huge improvement, but they're not quite where they were. So how, how do you deal with that as a doctor? How do you document that?
1: Well, um, there's always, you know, imaging, advanced imaging, things we can do to to really look deep and see the type of injuries and and what uh, structure, you know, anatomically was injured. And and we know from just, you know, years of of research and whatnot, how those things will um, respond to the injury, and how they heal. Even in optimal situations, um, you know, self-tissue injuries are just, you know, they're permanent. We used to think that they were temporary, you know, but now we understand that that really is permanent. Scar tissue, adhesions, all that stuff uh, comes with the injury, and that's, you know, that's just a, it's a permanent injury. You know, we, we try to get optimal healing to where they get back to as close to what they were as possible. And a lot of times that means pain-free, uh, no impairment, you know, their, their range of motion, their abilities to do things are, are, are good. But but really, if you get into it, they're not quite 100%. You know, they're, 99% is great. Um, you know, unfortunately, some people never get back to even being pain-free. And that's, those are really the, you know, the disappointing cases that you see.
0: What are the typical injuries that you see after a car wreck?
1: Uh, Soft tissue, strain, sprain. Mm -hmm. Um, Most people go to the ER, and the ER is the... When you say soft tissue, these are terms that you and I know. But explain what soft tissue means. Soft tissue is basically, technically is everything other than your bone. (laughs) You know, organs are soft tissue, muscles, ligaments, tendons. But typically in a trauma case, we're talking about uh, the muscle structure, tendons, the ligaments, the cartilage, things like that. I the nerves, the disc, and the spine, the brain. You know, concussion symptoms are, are something we see a lot of, and um, you know, the brain is soft tissue. When someone comes to you, oftentimes it's
0: after they've been to the hospital, after they've been through the ER, and then they come in. What are what are some typical undiagnosed injuries that you might see that the? Because someone might say, "Well, well, I went to the hospital, and they said, Oh, I should just."
1: Yeah, I'm Wait a few months, and then we'll see, you know? Well, the emergency room, I think, is emergency. I mean, if there's no life-threatening injuries, then technically you're not an emergency. I mean, you may have some injuries, but they're going to basically just um, check you over. If you're not going to die that night, then they're going to send you home with some short-term medication and instruct you to follow up somewhere else, um, which is pretty standard, and that's uh, you know, what we see typically. Um, but I think there's a miscommunication. Patients go home and think, okay, well, I'm fine. I'm Okay. But then, you know, they're sitting there week by week and they're wondering, okay, well, if I'm okay, why am I feeling like this? You know, I have my headaches, I can't turn my head, my my neck hurts, I got tingling in my arm, like something's not right. And I think um, at that point they will initiate, you know, reaching out to someone and saying, okay, something's not right. And that's when we get them.
0: How does someone typically find you? Where do most of your patients come from?
1: I think typically for us, just word of mouth. Yeah. um, Internal referrals, I mean. Somebody with, Somebody at their church or at their work or the family member will say, hey, you know. You really well, need to go see this yeah, guy. Yeah, just get checked out. And I encourage everyone to get checked out, even if they think it's minimal and it's not a, you know, if they think they could just ride it out. Um, a lot of times things will get better on their own and it's not a lot of intervention that's absolutely necessary, but we see a lot of that later, six months later, when it didn't go well and now it's um, a chronic issue. And we definitely uh, hate to see that.
0: You mentioned earlier that, Right at the beginning, I said, you know, what, what do you attribute that to? You said results. And I think that's pretty critical. And I think the other thing with referrals, you don't really get referrals unless there's a level of trust there. And I think one way, one thing that I see that kind of is somewhat unique to what your practice is and the way you do business is, um, you I mean, you get results with the people you can, but you're also not afraid to say, hey, listen, you need to go see this person. This is something that are, are the tools in our toolbox are just not for. And rather than waste that person's time, you might say, go see this doctor, or, go see this surgeon, or this is what you really need. And you're not afraid to send someone off somewhere. What are some of the cases where you might have to do that? What do, what do you see where you might have to say, well, you need to go see a neurologist?
1: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm a big proponent of building a team around the patient. I mean, there's people who do different things, and a lot of times they're going to need more than just me. You know, they're going to need some medication. They may need an injection. They may need some advanced imaging or a nerve, nerve study. They need chiropractic physical therapy. So, um, you know, we try to build a network of people around them to get them everything they need to have the optimal chance of recovery at the, at the highest level. Uh, I'll do my part, and then we get them to other people, to, and we all, you know, play our play our part on the team, and the goal is that the patient you know, has the, the best possible outcome.
0: I think that's pretty cool. I think the result of that is not just good results and, and medical outcomes, but also that trust that you establish with the patient and also the level of trust that you establish with the whole team, with those other doctors who might say, hey, listen, um, you're right. This is something that we need to treat. But then what the next person that comes along, they may say, well, this isn't necessarily something – that you need surgery for, but go see Doctor Orr.
1: Yeah. Um, do you ever
0: get referrals from that team of doctors?
1: Uh, yeah, we do. We get a lot of referrals from um, uh, sources that are basically their non-surgical or they've exhausted their their medical um, options, and you know, chiropractic is the one thing they haven't tried. And it's um, you know, and, and I enjoy those because I take that as a challenge. Like, okay, well, you know, if nothing else could be, you know, nothing else has helped, um, maybe we can. Um,
0: I think you have to enjoy it to some level to do it for 21 years, right? Otherwise, at one point, you might say, "You know what? I've done this for 10. That's enough for me."
1: Well, it's really it's really neat to see um, people get better. I mean, because yeah. because I mean, lives are really I mean, they're you know they're put on hold, man. They can't function as a parent, can't function as a wife or a husband or a spouse. You know, they they, they can't do um, things they need to do, and, and to see people recover from that and get back to what they want to do and who they need to be. Um, And we had a little part of that. It's really, it's really rewarding. So it seems to me that a lot of people that are in the business
0: of helping people, you're in the business of helping people, you help people get better. We're in the business of helping people. We help them kind of get back on with their lives. And part of that is the medical part of it is the legal. What I see is a lot of people that are in that business, a lot of times they have a story, like there was a thing or there was an Mm -hmm. event. There was something that triggered that interest or that passion Mm -hmm. is, do you have that? In your background, was there something that happened to young pre-doctor Ruben Orr that (laughs) kind of made you say, hmm, this is something that I want
1: to do? Well, I come from a family of caregivers. My mother's a nurse. Um, uh, My sister's a nurse. So I think growing up, this just you know, that's just what we did. We took care of people. But, um, yeah, chiropractic was interesting to me because I I seen it help my mother with something that um, traditional uh, approach she had taken, you know, failed. And I was just curious on why why this worked and that didn't. So, um, and the more I learned about it, the more it made sense. So, I think a lot of people, to some degree,
0: chiropractic medicine is almost like, um, I will say it's misunderstood to some degree. Can you talk a little bit about the education required? I mean, how's one become a chiropractor? <laughs> well, there's a lot of misinformation and
1: bad information about. You know what we do, and a lot of people have negative uh, thoughts. Sometimes they've never been to a chiropractor, never had any, um, you know, real real interaction. But yeah, uh, chiropractic has been around for a long time since 1895. Um, it's you know we're we're um, worldwide, and
0: some may say even before then, right? <laughs> right. I mean, there's parts of it yeah. that are somewhat kind of uh, maybe ancient, and a lot of it is mm-hmm. just wellness in general.
1: I w- I would think. Am I wrong or Oh yeah, I mean, you know, I think there's a lot of uh, aspects to what we do, other than just the, the adjusting of the spine. But um, we try to you know educate people and, and help them with their diet, you um, know, their stress management, things like that, because all that is really critical to how they function uh, as a whole. And you know, as we know, it's just everything's connected, man. So,
0: hmm.
1: so you said it's been back to like
0: 1895. What? But what's your education like? So you actually, I mean, you have to have a regular. So the bachelor's degree, right?
1: Program is actually about four or four and a half years. Uh, most people enter that with an undergraduate um, degree. Um, so, yeah, I, was, I think I was in. So, nine four or four time. and a half
0: years on top of your regular undergraduate degree. Yes. So, you have to co- You first have to go get a degree in, does it matter? You uh, have to have a degree in something?
1: Yeah, something. We, I mean,
0: <laughs> does it have to, does, <laughs> it do it, chiropractic it, schools require you to have a degree in like biology? or is it just uh, having a good enough education and something where you can go in and enter then well, pass it, the exams is required to, to get in? I have a
1: lot of the prerequisites and stuff out for the sciences and chemistries and stuff like that. So, okay. But um yeah, you, know, you have to meet certain
0: prerequisites. So what was your degree in? Uh, biology. Biology. Okay. So first you get a biology degree. Um did you take time off in between undergrad and chiropractic? No. So when you were in undergrad, you knew you wanted to be a chiropractor.
1: Yeah, from yeah,
0: day one. Okay. So that's why you went the biology route. So after the four years at where'd you go to undergrad? Uh, East Carolina, East Carolina. So after four years at
1: ECU, you go right into chiropractic school at uh, Life University in Marietta, Georgia. Oh,
0: that's right. Actually, that's where my sister went.
1: Yeah. Um, at the time, it was the largest chiropractic uh, school in the world. So. Has that been surpassed? Um, good question. I don't know, but uh, we had a very big clinic. Um, yeah, it, it was pretty big time when I when I was there. And plus, Atlanta at the time, um, we had the Braves in the. In the World Series, we had the Falcons in the Super Bowl. We had the uh, Summer Olympics there. So it was a great time uh, to be uh, in oh, that yeah. area. There's
0: yeah, a lot going on in Atlanta. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, I wonder if it was hard to concentrate on school with all that going on. <laughs> no, you didn't, you didn't have much of a didn't give choice. you an option, did <laughs> <Yeah. it? laughs> no, Not at all. <laughs> um, so, yeah, after that, did you come straight to Rock Hill after that? I came straight to Rock Hill. I did. What was your, well, I have family what in was your introduction to Rock Hill? Why Rock Hill?
1: Um, I was just driving through. <laughs> Really? Yeah. I was with some family uh, up at Lake Wiley in, in uh, North Carolina. And um, just finished some boards, some national boards. and was taking a little break. And um was just kind of scoping the area out, kind of see if I want to stay in Charlotte or, you know, uh, North of South Carolina. And um, just drove through and uh, bumped into Dr. Beaver. Mm-hmm. And um, he needed someone to cover for a few weeks. And I'm still here. Who is Dr. Beaver? Because yeah, well, your sign says Beaver Carver. Right. Yeah. It does not say Dr. Orr. Yeah, I think Dr. Biru has been here since the '80s, early '80s. He was here. Uh, He's also a, a
0: legend around these parts for sure. Yeah.
1: So when I took up the practice in 2005, um, I just left every. I mean, the name has been there. It's, it's such good goodwill in the community with that name that um, I just left it because everybody knows who we are and what we do. So no need to cause any confusion. So you kind of, you came on no board
0: working with him and he kind of eased into retirement. Yeah, no
1: one really knew who I was, but everybody yeah. knew the, the place and where we were, so.
0: Well, now they do. Now they do. Now they do for sure. Yeah. Now now they know you and they're, it's almost kind of reversed where they, they're they like, oh, go see Dr. Orr. And they're like, why does he, why does his wow. son say where's beaver? Yeah. <laughs> he's an animal lover. Yeah, he's an animal lover. <laughs> People and animals. Um, well, what else yeah. is going on, man? What? So where's the, where's the future of of chiropractic and wellness going like what do, you, what do you see over the next 10 or 20 well, years you
1: know, i think um i think a lot of things have, are, are changing um you know with the opioid crisis and, and people shying away from from you know prescriptions first um i think um we had a good opportunity to step up and lead that lead that um you know charge into hey let's let's don't go there f- first. That you know, maybe something like chiropractic can help first, mm-hmm. and then um, you know, medications uh, as needed second, and then obviously you know, surgeries as a last resort. Um, but you know,
0: is there an increased interest in chiropractic from the wellness and prevention standpoint?
1: Um, I think so. I mean, this has kind of been our thing the whole time, you know. And it's, yeah, it's your time to you shine. Yeah, that, you know. It's, we see people making recommendations about like, Oh, maybe we should do it this way. Like, Hey, wait a minute, man. We've been doing that. We've been doing it this way forever. <laughs> hey, I, and
0: I think honestly, what you hear is always kind of negative in the news where you hear people talk about the obesity crisis in America and the health crisis. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just kind of the people that I see or I'm around, but there seems to also be a, an increasing current of people who are very aware of their health and very aware of their diet and, you know, Shop for supplements and shop for healthy food, and go think, to the gym and go to chiropractors. You know,
1: people and, are smart. I think they they see their grandparents and their parents, and maybe some of the things they've had to deal with, and they just realize you know we don't have to do that. We can do it a different way. And I, so I think um you know kids are smart, and internet and information is out there that maybe um, our parents didn't have access to, our grandparents definitely didn't, and uh, you know things are different now. So I think the the access is there. And so where does
0: chiropractic fit into that healthier lifestyle?
1: maintenance of the frame, man, you got to, you can eat right, you can sleep and bring your stress down, but you got to keep your alignment and you got to keep your spine functioning properly. I mean, if the spine is the lifeline, you know, everything comes out the brain, down the spinal cord, out the nerves.
0: And man, it can be debilitating when that's not working properly. Yes,
1: well, anyone who's never experienced a real episode of, of acute low back pain, they don't understand quite how basically it just takes over. I mean, it, yeah. You, and I'll reflex. tell you, that's
0: like my worst fears is having some problem like that where I can't Go run around and play flag like, football,
1: yeah. or you know, just I can't go play soccer with my girls. You know what I mean? Getting up to go to the bathroom in the night is like a major ordeal. <laughs> so just just the basic functions of life are, are exponentially harder. And and I think um. The people who've been there a few times, most of my patients who've had a few episodes, they're really on top of of maintenance and trying to keep things good.
0: Yeah, and I had an episode, or at least I thought it was an episode. Thankfully, it wasn't anything serious, but somehow I popped a rib in my sleep, and I didn't even know that was a thing. And I thought, oh, my God, like, this is it. I blew a disc out because it was pretty painful where I could barely sit or stand a knife in your back. Yeah. I mean, it, it really felt like that. And it was kind of right on my spine. So I thought for sure, Oh, this is a disc that herniated or something. And so I remember coming into your office and saying, I, I think this is it. Like, what do we do here? Does this <laughs> it's mean over. Help. it's over? Does this mean I, you know, I'm, I just have to live with this now. And thankfully you kind of just went, Oh, nope," it's a rib <laughs> popped it back in and, and it was fine. But that fear and that pain was real for at least a couple of days Man, I can't imagine having to deal with that for years well, over the rest of your life. Yeah, I mean, that's a
1: sentence. I mean, there are certain, you know, innate reflexes that just take over and there's there's just no, I mean, it's, it's completely out of your control. And a lot of um, people come in sometimes and they think they could push through the pain and it's like, well, you could push through the pain, but, you know, at a certain point your body would just take you out of the equation and take over. <laughs> and uh, they've never experienced that. They don't quite understand what that means, but... Um, Yeah, you get a few guys who've been there, and they go, "Oh yeah, (laughs) the body's pretty amazing, isn't it?" It is extremely amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean, you kind of you're kind of on the tip of the spear there. You see people healing injuries, and the way their bodies compensate to injuries. You see how diet affects people. You see how exercise affects people. I mean, you really get the whole picture with what you do. Yeah, Yeah,
1: it's 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 an ever changing thing, and there's always something new on the horizon. So we try to stay abreast of the latest. And
0: so, what should I be taking? (laughs) <laughs> what supplements should I be taking? Vegetables,
1: I keep hearing I need to take more vitamin. I need more vitamin water. D. What do you think? Vitamin D
0: for um, COVID oh, no, man, and that, vitamin C for COVID. People uh, say you know boost your immune system. Well, you, you following know, all funny, that? what you do know, you think? Yeah, the immune system is also it's a big
1: a big topic, you know, because um you know you want to do, you mean, and if people um really understood how many viruses and bacteria and fungi and stuff that we're in contact with constantly, you know, it's just that's just Natural, you know, but um, yeah, keep your immune system up to speed, man. That's critical, and that's what your body has its own defense mechanisms. And as long as you're healthy and strong, you can you can weather those things. But obviously, you see the COVID nineteen has really hit hard on um, older people, people with weaker systems, and that's you know that's, I think with just about every type of illness or. So what are you
0: doing? What are you taking or doing to kind of help boost your system? Are you taking? Um, extra what? vitamins. Are you drinking more juice? Like what are you get, doing?
1: Try to get more sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sleep is critical. I think that, yeah. That's a good point, man. It's so underrated. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, you stay up late, you know, working on things and, you know, you try to get your brain to shut down and get good sleep and all of a sudden it's sun's up time to get up and go again. And I think sleep is, um, something that a lot of people have problems with or difficulty with, and that's critical to you, you know, your overall health and immunity. Yeah. Um, nutrition, obviously, you know, we eat a very toxic <laughs> menu these days, if you ever read the labels, stay so away
0: from the fast food and
1: processed food. And yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> everywhere, but you know, sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. But I think, in general, um, you know, just common sense stuff. Yeah,
0: sometimes it's the end of the day, and I've it's like three o'clock. I'm like, well, I, I forgot to eat today, like, I haven't eaten yet today. Yeah. And now that's a thing. Now people try to do that, and they call it intermittent yeah, fasting. fasting. Yeah. Like <laughs> for, me, yeah, for me, yeah, for me it's called being busy. Like, <laughs> wait a minute, I forgot to eat today, and then but then at three or four o'clock, I'm so hungry. I'm like, okay, I just need a pizza, yeah. and I'll order a pizza and just say put all the meat on it, put all the vegetables on it. Just like, yeah, I'm just trying to catch up on calories at that point, and I just eat as much as I possibly can because my body just like needs calories. I'm sure that's probably the least healthy way to eat, <laughs> but it's funny because that's kind of just always been the way I eat like maybe not necessarily pizza but
1: well I think when you're when but you're it's young, now it's a thing
0: now people yeah. say it's intermittent fasting when you're young and healthy man you can get away with
1: this. things like that but I think as we get older our body loses that uh, resilience and that ability to to offset some of our bad habits and it really starts to you know you just don't jump out of bed as quick as you used to and eating stuff like that you really feel the drain and the you know the anchor tied around you sometimes yeah
0: yeah it's I can tell you personally it's not I don't feel good after I eat like <laughs> yeah. that. But like I said, I mean, by the end of the day, I'd realize I haven't eaten. I just need to get some calories in me. And yeah. sometimes that's that means I have 20 minutes in between meetings or appointments. And how many calories can you eat in those 20 minutes? Because you may not eat again until 9, 10 o'clock at night. And that's kind of just the way it
1: is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, work from home, a lot of people are so much closer to the refrigerator now, you know. It's like uh, oh, so the opposite a lot of people problem. put on some pounds, yes, yeah, because they can Those just, COVID like, get pounds. That. Yeah. That's the true thing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, I don't want to keep you too long, uh, but I really appreciate you coming in, um, having the chance to sit down with us. And there's a lot of things that I would like to kind of talk about more and explore with you in the future. So if there's a chance where you can come back by and talk to us, that'd be awesome. Um, yes, always welcome. The Dr. Orr, thank you for coming by today, man. Thank you, Mr. Hamilton. Um, thank you for listening to the Schiller and Hamilton podcast. We'll See you again soon.